The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Hey, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. This is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. You're listening to Society Bites Radio, a bully-free zone. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer, along with my lovely bride, Sherry. For the next 25 minutes, we're going to talk about healing and growth from the inside out, and we're going to continue talking about the topic of bullying. But remember, you're 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. And I will say here, when you're being bullied... When you're a target, that feels impossible. Right. But there is help. And we're going to talk about and hopefully get to some of that help. But we want to understand first what bullying is. We don't want to overuse the term bullying or misuse it in other situations where it might just be incivility. Um, And so let's talk a little bit about, like, when did the term bullying first start getting used and where did it come from? Well, in America, we didn't even start using this term until the early 2000s. This is fairly new. In, uh, in Scandinavia and in Europe, there's been tremendous research done. They're actually the experts. We're way behind on the curve. Um, bullying is actually a Middle Dutch word. It, I don't know how to pronounce the word. Bulle, B-O-E-L-E means lover. What are, so, you, what are you talking about? How could lover even be tied to the word bullying? Uh, We're talking about the most abusive person in the boardroom, right? right? Or in this playground. Well, the Dutch must know something we don't know. Because first it meant lover, then it meant fine fellow. And with time, it kind of morphed. And it was changed to be an aggressive person who intimidates or mistreats weaker people. And now that one makes sense. So well, in today's context, right? Yeah, the etymology but, of that word is a little skewed, but maybe they had abusive lovers. That's all <laughs> I can think of. So um, Gary and Ruth Namey, doctors Gary and Ruth Namey, both of them, were really the kind of the pioneers in the United States to bring this about. And they've actually been my mentors. I've taken training with them, and they helped me with my dissertation. In 1995, according to the Namies, Americans virtually knew nothing about workplace bullying. The term just wasn't on the horizon. It wasn't being used at all. In 1997, according to the research, U.S. organizations claimed that bullying did not exist in their workplace. This is in 97. In the year 2009, a Zogby poll found that over 75% of employers claimed that bullying has never happened in their organization. This is eight years, nine years ago. So nine years ago, 
employers are still claiming bullying doesn't exist. Now, the research that I've done so far, there's, these, these guys are on different universes. So what's happening is we have a huge paradigm. Employers, owners, have no idea what bullying is. The employees who are experiencing it are finding a word for it. They're able to give it a name. Um, I, I actually did a, a presentation. I was very, very honored that this company invited me, and I'm the first outside the corporation speaker they've ever invited in. I spoke to 100 of their managers, predominantly HR, it's an international company, on the topic of bullying. And they invited me to speak. I gave three presentations all the same way, and we, we've cycled about 35 people through each time. Afterwards was phenomenal. I had probably 10 employees walk up to me, two of them from the HR department, and said, Dr. Hemmer, I'm afraid I'm a bully. I never realized it. But what you said, I do. And I thought that was okay. And now I'm realizing. I mean, it was really interesting. And these were called accidental bullies. There's three profiles of a bully that we'll get into a little bit later. But you've got your accidental bully, your narcissistic bully, and then your psych psychopathic bully. Well, these were accidental bullies, and they're the predominant bullies. Remember in the last segment we talked about culture? Mm -hmm. There's your accidental bully. You see, these managers that I got, they were nice guys. They really were. But they were being groomed, the word is used cognitively, for being a bully. Because And, and they really weren't bullies. But to be in, uncivil, to, to be inauthentic. To be a little aggressive. Yeah. And that's not comfortable for people. Now, it, it, it's a means to an end, and they, they justify that means to an end. But that's a short-term end. Yeah. You, you can't sustain that type of scenario. So basically, back in 97, when the United States was saying Boeing doesn't exist, it was a lack of awareness and a lack of understanding. It wasn't that the experiences weren't happening that way. So let's, what was it that the United States was not understanding? What is the definition of bullying? And I know, you know, school children know this because it's state law to teach them to understand what bullying is so that they don't participate and that they can be able to advocate for themselves. But in corporate America, we don't have those laws. What is yeah, that we're definition? The, we're the only civilized nation in the world without a bully law. We're the only ones. And so what's happening is that, and there, you know, I can see the argument that if they had a law that, you know, we'd go crazy with the lawsuits. But the problem we've got is at the and you're a school teacher. Do they not use the term inappropriately on occasion? So kids learn a new term, and then they see it as everything. And so then we have to counter-teach, well, contrast, okay, having an argument with your friend over who gets to get on the swing doesn't mean that you were bullied. All right. So what clarifies the difference? There are some things that qualify bullying, especially that it's long-term, and it needs to be happening for how long to be kind of considered long-term enough that it's bullying? So uh, what they found, in order for it to be constituted as bullying, it has to have repeated exposure over time, minimum six months. And so the mistreatment and the aggression have to go on for a minimum of six months. It's considered psychological violence. It's behavior that's intimidating, threatening or humiliating and here's something to understand bullies actually sabotage work 
and they withhold critical information to coworkers or employees. Now, on the surface, and we've just started the definition process because there's no one agreed on definition through all the research that I've ever read. As a matter of fact, it's the first thing my, my paper said. Nobody agrees on one single definition. So I have a whole page in the dissertation citing everybody's definitions. Now, they're all kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, some similar tenets. Yeah, the psychological violence is probably the one that I I resonate most. Um, A description, it came up by Andrea Adams, is is bullying is an American cancer. She was actually a British reporter that ended up dying of cancer, if I remember right. But she called it a cancer. And the idea behind that is kind of profound. A cancer is a virus. And you can't give it antibiotics just to stop it, right? And so it just grows. And in order to stop cancer in today's mindset, they eradicate it through chemo or through radiation or through surgery. And, and it's a miscommunication among cells that they don't know when to stop. Right. And mm-hmm. so, so such as this saying in bowling yeah. and in a culture is that there's nothing that in today's society that is stopping it. Yeah, and the only way to stop it is to cut it out right now. And and so to have, and they have found that you can't just go in and let's say I have a bully boss. Well, we're going to run them through anger management or we're going to run them through emotional intelligence class. That's not going to change anything. The culture is the one that's supporting the cancer cell, if you will. So someone with cancer, if they go out and they, and they continue to smoke or they continue to eat a lot of carbs or sugars, they're going to simply foster the growth. And so, you know, I have a lot of clients who have cancer right now. And one of the most important things we work with them on is eating healthy, removing anxiety, removing stress, getting good sleep. Otherwise, the body continues to turn in on itself. And so when I wrote, bullies sabotage work and withhold critical information, isn't that what cancer cells do? They're eating themselves. They're eating neighbors. So... What bullies do is they actually sabotage as a way to protect themselves. They're doing this so they can hurt someone else. So like we said, it's over six months. It's illegitimate conduct in that it prevents work from getting done. And I've experienced that. Bullying is totally irrational and indefensible. That needs to be understood. So when I have people who talk to me about it, say, oh, Dr. Hammer, this is what's happened. And they want me to make sense of it. The only way I can make sense of it is you need to understand that there's a couple things going on. Your culture is fostering it. Your bully's an addict. Your bully's afraid. They bully out of fear. They don't bully out of competence. I mean, think about that for a second. Why would any reasonable, rational human being go after another human being whose whose income, well-being, creativity, innovativeness leads to your looking good. Why would they do something like that if it wasn't for something other than reasonable and rational? So to categorize, and I don't know if anyone else saying this, at least I haven't read it, bullying's an addiction. It's a behavior addiction founded on myths, um, paradigms that are not true. It's an immaculate perception within the bully. They don't want to be found out that they're not as great or powerful as they really are. And it's a way to exert power over someone else. You know, I think that's a really important message about the irrationality of it. Because as a target who's receiving the bully, the messages that 
are coming in or what have I done to bring this on to myself? Because that is how it's framed by the bully to the target, that you're wrong, you're a problem, you deserve this. But there is a rationality to that. So um, that's a really hard thing for the target to believe after they've already experienced in a sense, been indoctrinated by the bully that they are less than for a long period of time. Yeah, here's another one that's really hard. It's not personal. And it feels personal every day. And the reason it's not personal is because as soon as that target is fired or quits or, you know, what happens is targets of bullies' lives are destroyed. Not just them, but their immediate family. Divorces. Their um, income income, their anxiety levels shoot through the roof, you know, the the amount of chronic pain and illness that follows being bullied over the course of time. The history of building a career becomes destroyed. I mean, there's a big fallout for that target. So what happens is you naturally feel that they're targeting you personally. But as soon as you leave, whoever's next in line, they need to find somebody. Remember, it's like alcohol. They've got to get their drink. So when they bully someone, it's their medicating. It's how they're, they're dealing with their own crisis, except that they're in a position of power, and they take advantage of that position of power. So one thing we need to, to create, uh, to explain real quick, in 1993, a gentleman uh, he, uh, by the name of Heinz Lehmann, he was able to come out with four constructs that permit bullying to happen. So now we're getting at the culture that allows bullying. Mm -hmm. So number one was a deficiency in work design. So what that means in a nutshell is the systems that are in operation, if they're they're not fluid, if they create a lot of uh, bottlenecks, you're going to increase anxiety, right? If you increase anxiety, how do people handle stress and or anxiety? Well, they normally go to their, the least, uh, the path of least resistance. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's oftentimes uncivil. So they're going to get angry. They're going to get tense. They're going to get stressed. Bullying always increases in in times of economic downturns. It just does. And so if the economy slows down, if people are starting to get laid off, if jobs are on the line, bullying increases. So deficiencies in work design is just a fancy phrase for stressful work environments. Well, yes and no. I I agree with that. But a work design, for example, would be like the work with. The work design of working with my boss is such that it complicates and compromises me as an as a sales rep to deal with my client efficiently. Efficiently. What if the work design was they're there to observe and to give feedback when I get out to the car, mm-hmm. but not to do it in front of the client, not to interface with the client? It compromises me. That's a that's in a sales environment. Yeah. What about in a manufacturing environment? What about inside of a um, a project management team? What's the work design? What's the communication flow? So all of those Mm -hmm. are part of it. Number two is the deficiency in leadership behavior. Now, I need to qualify this. This means at the C-suite, the chief executive officer, the chief financial officer, etc. This does not mean at the middle management. They will mirror or parrot the behavior they see from the C-suite. Workplace cultures are created from the executives down, not the reverse. So the people on the warehouse floor are going to be a reflection of how they're treated from above. 
The only solution that I've ever seen to workplace bullying is changing the culture of the C-suite. Here, here's an anecdote. Here's a, a, a story to explain that. In a family, it's not unusual for me to get a phone call from a mother and or a father to say, can you please work with my son? Can you please work with my daughter? We need to fix them. Yeah. And then they give me all the symptoms yeah. associated with said offspring. Now, now, fix this problem in our family. It's our child. We messed up. Would you please? Well, but they they're not say that but that's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So what happens is they'll call me to fix their child. And their child could be 35. Right. Their it's child could be 11. But it's, you know, I get the, the gamut. The point being, my response is always the same. My response is always the same. Let's have you come in so you can tell me more about it. That's my way of saying, let's fix you first. And you need to do the fixing. I'll give you the parameters and I'll give you the skills in order to do that. But until you change your culture within yourself, because the problem is that the parent probably hates themselves. They don't know any. They don't know how to manifest love because the love they were had manifest to them was the exact kind that they're manifesting to their children, and their children are rebelling. So if we want to fix the children, we need to fix our parents right now, because that's where our challenges are. So, and in this analogy, the C-suite is like the parents in the culture of a corporation. That's right. Yeah, you know, I. I've always felt like the family and home is the most important business organization in our country. And it, there's so many similarities to it. When we do well in our business at home, we can do well in our business at work as well. Well, that's the, that's the authenticity we talked about. Yeah. You can't be two people. If you're, if you're the, the CEO of an organization and you're just a tyrant, don't think that you're going to come home and be Mr. Nice Guy and have that work. There's going to be too much inconsistency in that story. So we need to understand that the, the authenticity, going back to that role, is quite important. So back to Mr. Lehman's theories, though, he also um, talked about the socially exposed position of the victim or the target. Um, can you define that a little bit? It has to be unequal grounds. It's not bullying if you and your coworker are evenly yoked. It, it doesn't mean that they, you know, your position is identical. It means, but what if they have social clout? What if they have the ear of the or manager? Or age. Or age. Age can often be a power where one is older than the other. Age or experience mm -hmm. or who you know. So there has to be a differential of power. So the target is going to be in, a, in an inferior position and therefore feeling helpless and or hopeless moving forward because of that and that's how you get the leverage of the bullying but if you and I are equally yoked in the position that's not bullying that's just incivility or rudeness okay and this low moral standard in the department to me that just sounds kind of like the culture you described in American Greetings that you first experienced well this goes to what we call the incivility uh, continuum so let me just bring this up briefly because it's going to play a role in this whole process um, Doctors Namey came up with this back in 2014, at least that's when I believe they came up with it. Um, the incivility spectrum or continuum simply means that it doesn't start with bullying. You don't just create a culture and go, oh, good, we got bullies just like that. That's not how it's done. It's gradual. It's like putting a frog in, in lukewarm water and then turning the stove or the oven on, the stove on. It'll simply keep heating up. So it works this way. 
First, it starts with inappropriateness. Well, think about a family culture. How do the parents treat the children? Do they call them names? Do they make up names for their children that are um, degrading? You know, are they highly mm-hmm. sarcastic? Well, and in the workplace culture, I think of, you know, the water cooler talk or the lunchroom talk that where there's some kind of inappropriate jokes. And, you know, I've sat in lots of school building staff rooms and I can immediately, when I sit for a, a, one or two lunch sessions, get a total feel for what that building culture is like by the kinds of conversations. Some of those can be pretty degrading. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm, there is a feel here that maybe I don't want to be a part of sometimes. Well, your lunchroom would have been my bar. Exactly. Right, because we couldn't do that. We didn't have a, a boardroom to deal in or an office space. We're out and about traveling. So well, we put in hundreds of miles. Teachers just talk about how badly they want to get to the bars because of ex-student. They can't oh, wait to take a drink. To drink. <laughs> <laughs> right. that I hear that quite a bit. <laughs> There's a follow-through on that. So in, inside that space, think about the inappropriateness of language used in your home. Mm-hmm. You know, what role does that play? So think about what you permit in the workplace. And who permits it? Well, it looks like it's the immediate manager. Or actually, it looks like it's the fellow coworkers. Then it looks like the immediate manager. Then it looks like the CEO. It's really starting at the CEO or the C-suite. Do you allow that kind of, do you allow the swearing? They set the standard. They set the standard. Then it moves to incivility. Incivility could be something as much as just the way you answer your phone. You know, phone etiquette. Um, Do you fill the coffee pot when you finish it or do you just leave it just with a drop left and then expect someone else to do it next? Um, That kind of stuff. It's like leaving the cap off the the milk carton in, in home. This lack of consideration. This lack of consideration, picking up your trash. Then you have what's outright disrespect, you know, um, the dissing of people. That's disrespectful. Then you move, and this is, by the way, additive. Mm-hmm. It compounds on top These of each other. These are building on a little top. Bit. Then it moves into what we call mild bullying. So now the process is starting, because it's additive, you've got time under your belt. Well, those first three things, it could be like one person who's kind of that way globally to everybody. Inappropriate comments, disrespectful, a little bit uncivil here, you know, just kind of a mess. But when you're talking about moving into mild bowling, is the change that it's more focused on a target? Yes. So it's those behaviors, but they're focused more to... Now it becomes more focused. Right. Because as a general rule, if someone can get away with it, you you don't, if there's one person in the group that's, you know, got really nice moral standards, but everyone else doesn't, that person is really compromised. So you tend to, to go to the lowest common denominator, and you become like that level. So we need to understand, and we're running out of time, so I'll finish up the continuum. So you move into mild bullying, and then to moderate and severe bullying, so that's kind of the, what we're talking about here, but lest we, f- we forget what happens next. You've heard the term going postal. Mm, yeah. What we don't hear in the media is the rest of the story. Most of those postals, if not all of those postals, followed this exact continuum. And if you look at who was killed, it was not arbitrary or random. The people who were killed in the postals were specifically targeted because they were the bullies. And it's the, it was the target that was going postal. So when they the target goes postal, you'll notice they typically will then commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they don't want to drag everyone else through the court system. 
it's kind of an odd way of thinking. I'm not saying it's rational. But when you're the target and you're under tremendous pressure, you've got CPTSD, which we can explain in the next segment. Mm -hmm. It's challenging. It's challenging to be able to be coherent, to understand what's going on. So when you say going postal, now we're moving on the continuum to battery and then to homicide. Now, lest we forget that the, the things that are going on within the, um, uh, the target, when we just have inappropriateness, incivility, and disrespect, that's the onset of stress. Your health is impacted. Right. You're already now challenged, and you're challenged at home as well. Then we it move into home. abusive conduct where your identity is threatened. You're now questioning who you really are. Where once was someone very competent, always scoring high evals, the bully boss moves in. Now you're questioning, have I always been this bad? Have I always been this incompetent? And you're questioning even your very existence. You're nervous before you get out of your car in the morning until the point you get to despair and suicide. Very, very common. Ultimately, you're at physical violence, injury, and then death. That's a, it's a fast journey down that continuum, but it speaks to how paramount it is that we are being able to live in a way that we can be authentic selves. Hey, we're talking about lives. Yeah, so let's summarize just a little bit, and then we'll, in our next segment, we're actually going to identify the profile of a bully. Mm-hmm. And if we get there, we'll identify the profile of a target. And we are going to introduce a case study. We're going to talk about some real scenarios and what that looks like. So a summary from today is the culture is the one driving it. Notice in your workplace, notice in your home what incivility is going on, what in- inappropriate behavior is going on. You need to know that that doesn't sit there by itself. It will grow. It will compound unless it's arrested. So... Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, Pay attention then to your environment. Notice what's happening. And we've talked about this a lot, being authentic, being your authentic self and being just civil and appropriate. And this might bring up some, you know, serious questions for those who might be recognizing some things. How can they get a hold of you, Dr. Himmer, if they have questions about bullying? Send me an email to drhdrh at himmercenter.com. And I can give you some of this research or we can, um, if need be, we can chat about it. But remember, you've got a lot more resources inside you than you think you do. And we don't know why this is happening, but you can rise above it. It is possible. I want to give you the hope that you can get through this. So until next time, we appreciate you listening. Um, any, any comments you have, please send them to us. And make a comment on Sprecher if you appreciate what you're hearing. And we'll talk to you in our next segment. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. 
go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.